Hello, travellers, and welcome to Tales from the Dark Dragon's Inn, Season 2, Episode 1, A Dire Journey. I hope you've enjoyed our side quests, as these are just a hint of things to come. In July, we'll be releasing new content every other week in addition to our campaign, featuring a broad variety of casts from across the tabletop RPG community. For this season, we have new artwork supplied by Perlesked, and our very own music composed and recorded by Simon Foe, to whom we owe a great debt of thanks. This week we have everyone on board as our heroes make their way to Elturel. We have Vinny as Murren, the half-orc monk, Nina as Mix, the Asimar warlock of the Fae, Tom as Urbach, the lizard folk wizard, Liz as Toby, the Raven Queen Warlock Tiefling. We also have the Doomsinger, the mysteriously masked Elven Bard, and Scrawl, the Bugbear Barbarian, played by me, Ray, your host and Game Master. And I also play, well, just about everyone else. Hey there! It's good to see you back! Busy night tonight! Everyone's looking forward to hearing what happened after they left Greenest. Oh! I see you've noticed our new placard! Mr. Vestirian tells me it's where we list our ongoing patrons? See? Right there! It says, Matt Nutt, thank you! And Sarah Millman, thank you! She was our first patron, you know. Well, so I'm told. I hear she's an author. Right, let me take your coat and we can get you seated, eh? There's space for you right over here. Come on, this way. Travellers one and all. I welcome you on this night to the humble hall of the Dark Dragon's Inn to tell the tale of Baldur's Gate, a city filled with sin. But first, your heroes, the Scales of Justice, must travel to El Torel. What awaits them there, do not despair, for surely time will tell. Murren, Urbach, Toby, and Mix, and Scrawl, and the Doomsinger are all riding in the back of a wagon. The wagon is being pulled by six finely bred horses and is being driven by two young tiefling men. Sitting up with the riders and facing back towards you lot is a lizard woman named Ixal. You've come to know her over a few days. She's a bit brusque, but she's pleasant enough for the kind of business that she clearly is used to doing. You guys have been on the road, I say road very loosely, for two and a half days now. The journey has thus far been uneventful, and even though you technically are all taking watches to keep watch of the wagon, you've all gotten to the point where, eh, if something happens, we'll probably see it coming. You're in the green fields, you're riding over open plains. It's very, very hard for things to sneak up on you, and the likelihood is that nothing's going to. It would be impractical for anything to try. So, as you journey to Elturel, what are you doing with your time? I have a box of 250 gold. Did I ever give that to Doomsigger? Yeah, I'll just give it to Why, um, why, thank you, Mern. Um, it's very kind of you. Perhaps I could donate some of this to an orphanage. That's awfully generous. It is. Yes, I'm, uh, I feel I'm a changed man since I survived the attack by that beastly dragon. I, I value the time that I have now, and I just think that you know, there are probably children out there who could benefit from this. Mm-hmm. It warmed my heart. He looks at Mix, he says, you're not a child. I, 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 I implied no such thing, sir. I don't think she was after your money. He takes the box from Murren and he narrows his eyes at you and he puts it in his bag and closes it flippantly. I'm just holding up Darkonis. I'm not the child, but look, I have such a little one to That's take care thing. of. It's barely even... Uh, no. Go on, say it. He's an eldritch creature. Mix mm-hmm. is just glaring at him. He's right, you know. I'm really old. But you're not helping. He's not wrong. That's not the point. Shush him look cute. So you've got him cradled so that all of his paws are in the air in front of him and his tail's pointing forwards and he just turns his head over backwards at you. Am I doing it? Oh my god, yes. Yes. I am turning the other way. 
uncomfortable. But his belly is so soft. Murin, feel it. I pick up Darkonis, carry him carefully over to Murin so he can marvel at <laughs> Darkonis's belly. It's soft. Isn't that thing technically a part of you, so it's like it's your belly? Not at the moment. I am here and Darkonius is here, so technically at this moment we are two separate individuals. Um, do, do you want me to poke it? No, not poke it. Pet it. Soft. Oh, um, I stroke it on the belly. As you stroke it on the belly, you feel relaxed suddenly. You feel a little wave of empathetic comfort. I feel all peculiar now. Wait, is this magic? You feel warm and cozy. Um, th- thank you, Mix. It's okay. I just nod to the pseudo dragon, just kind of weird nod. He does a little wave with one of his claws. Okay. Okay! You did very well. So for the first two days, you guys spent a lengthy period of time grilling the Doom Singer, trying to get as much information as possible out of him about what he had learned about the cult. Turns out he didn't learn as much as it seemed like he learned, but what he did learn is probably still something that would be valuable to Leosin and co. Every now and again, Ixal checks on you. Yeah. Can I can I make some darts? Next time we stop over for the night, I want to persuade nicely one of the carriage drivers to teach me how to mount a horse. There are two tiefling men that travel with you. Uh, they are Zan and Korva. They are twins, so they look fairly similar. Is there any specific identifying marker between the two? Not really. They're both very slim, very pale tieflings. And generally speaking, the way to identify between them is how they're wearing their hair that day. But they both have their hair cut the same way and often wear each other's hairstyles. After traveling with them for a couple of days, you get the impression they do it to fuck with people. They intentionally set up opportunities for you to get wrong who you're talking to. Which one do you approach? Korva. You approach Korva, as far as you know. He is sitting by one of the horses. He's actually just checking the shoes, make sure that any small rocks picking out of the shoes and making sure that they're attended to so that they don't lame themselves on the rest of the journey. Corva. The tiefling by the horse looks up, smiles. Are you busy? Yes. Why do you ask? I had a favor to ask, I guess. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you can teach me how to mount a horse, because eventually I would like to learn how to ride a horse. I think it's a useful skill to have, and I'm not very good at it. I could certainly try. I, <laughs> I promise nothing. That's okay. He unbridles them, so he disconnects them from the wagon, and he leads it around away from the camp into a more open area, and he's like, this is how you mount a horse. And he grabs hold of the saddle from one side and does a spinning flourish as he leaps sideways onto the horse, whips one hand up in front of him in the air and goes, aha! Fancy pants. Well, you asked how to mount a horse and that's how you do it. So Mix is going to try and imitate what uh, has just done. He gets down, he holds the rein of the horse. How are you going to approach this? I'm going to stand up tall and confident, puff my chest out a little bit, waltz up to the horse and take hold of the reins and try to whoosh up onto the horse. <laughs> Before you do, the moment you take the reins, you see the horse start and rear its head back. Toby is watching this and sensing some broken bones in Mix's future. Thanks for the confidence. It starts, it rears its head back. You look at it in the eye. No, puff chest, puff. It seems to calm down. You stand there, you stare the horse down, you calm it down, and then you try your best to leap up. And what ends up happening is you basically do a roundhouse kick into the back of the horse. You're pretty feeble. So it doesn't actually hurt the horse, but it does startle it, and it pulls away and backs off. I'm so sorry, horse. I'm so sorry. Your arm is yanked, and Zen laughs loudly and walks over to the horse, whistling, and takes hold of the reins, and he walks back towards the wagon and says, Perhaps you can start with people before you try with horses, hmm? Uh, Mix just feels very silly right now, and very defeated at this particular point in time. But she tried. During some downtime, I do try to figure out 
the rust-coloured bag. But how do you experiment with this? Well, going by the first time someone randomly threw one of the fluffy balls, it turned into an owl. Toby's not exactly going to tip it up and see what happens. I fish around inside the bag and pick out just a ball at random and toss it into the grass to see what happens. You stick your hand into the bag. You feel around. Once more, you feel your hands land on some furry balls. Pull out one. It looks about the same as the last one did from what you remember. You throw it out ahead of you. It lands on the ground and in a puff of smoke, a large ball mastiff appears. Holy shit. (laughs) Turns around and walks towards you. Sit. It sits. I crash down paw and I hold out my hand. It turns its head sideways and holds out its paw. I don't want to try and figure out if words to I can get it to turn back into a ball. I try turn back. It turns around and looks the other way. Can you turn back into a ball? It turns around and looks at you and turns its head slowly and then slowly lowers its head down in front of it and rolls forwards to the best of its ability, which results in it forward falling sideways and turns over and looks up at you from the ground. Try the word return. It gets up and walks closer to you and cocks its head like, is this what you wanted? How long do you think Toby spends trying to get this dog to turn back into a ball? Toby's quite determined between 20 to 40 minutes before he just gets frustrated. You spend all that time doing just that, and every time you come up with a new word, the dog does its absolute best to try and interpret the weird commands you're giving it, but it appears to just be a dog that doing its best to please you. Do you do anything else with the bag in the meantime? I'm not exactly encouraged to throw more balls because I don't want a herd of animals following me everywhere. The next morning, when you come to, you look around for the dog and it is nowhere to be seen. Can I find a a random fluffy ball? Has it turned back into a ball or has it just disappeared? It's just gone. Huh. Huh. Okay. So... They clearly only last for a certain amount of time. Throw another one out. You pull out the ball, you toss it in front of you, and seconds later, there is a huge lion in front of you, just roaring out into the forest, and the horses fucking shit themselves. Oh, shit. Can we all hear this as well? Yeah, I think they probably actually bolt or try to because they're still tethered to the wagon. It takes Exile, Zan, and Korva probably the best part of an hour and a half to catch up with them, find them all, bring them back. And Ixal is extremely unimpressed at you sitting with your lion. I'm not meeting her eyes as I apologize because I clearly have no idea what I'm doing. Why do you have a lion? I'm sorry. The lion stares her down for you and perhaps you want to um, do that at a distance from the camp, just in case. In future, yeah, I... Didn't know it was going to turn into that, I'll be honest. She looks at you like, what the fuck are you doing? Experimenting with something that's going to turn into a goddamn lion that could have eaten you. You don't know. Well, I feel like at this point, Toby's fairly confident after the whole thing with the owl and the, the mastiff. Absolutely. Every time you summon one, regardless of what it is, they are always friendly towards you and people traveling with you. Once you leave them alone for a while, if they're not given any specific orders, they will act a fashion within their nature. But the lion, that just means he sleeps a lot. They're not hostile in any way to you, and they're not dangerous to anyone. The horses have no way of knowing that, though. Would I be able to get a little bit of wood and try to start carving out a little dragon? You find an old stump? That looks like the core of it could potentially be used for salvageable wood. If you were to spend the whole night hacking at it with the appropriate tools, you could potentially salvage enough to build this. Okay. You spend the night hacking away at this thing, and you manage to... A chunk of wood that is approximately six inches cubic. So it's a pretty sizable chunk. You really hammer it out. It's quite soft wood, so you gather that a lot of it will be lost during the carving, but... Mm -hmm. I carve out an immaculate square. For the next day or so during the journey, you spend time whittling away on this piece of wood. I'd say you get about halfway done by the end of day four. Urbeck, is there anything you're doing? Yeah, whenever we turn up near anywhere that's a bit less open grassland, any of the matter of cops or trees or a pond or anything like that, I'd like to just have a wander around and just see if I can spot any of the local 
wildlife and just see if there's anything interesting around. Let's say on the fourth night, you do actually make camp in some woods. After the fiasco with Toby's lion, Excel wants somewhere to tie the horses to so they can't just run off. You find yourself with a bit of free time. Urbach, you are walking through the woods. You walk through the area. The camp is in a fairly reasonably thickly wooded area. There's quite a few large trees because Excel was specific looking for somewhere to tie the horses up. You make your way through the thickest part of the foliage behind your camp. You're probably walking for the best part of an hour or so when you do actually come upon a source of running water. Large stream. It's about three foot across, but it's about a foot deep. It's quite a thick stream and you can see that it runs quite heavily through this area. Hmm. What's the grassland around the side of the stream looking like? Is it muddy or quite firm? From where you stand it looks quite firm because there's quite a few trees that are planted in the area. Okay, I'm going to carefully and gently walk up to the edge of the river. I'm aware that the leaves are probably going to be a bit crackly, but at this point, I'm probably not going to be able to avoid that. As you approach the river, are you going to fill up a flask? How clear does the water look? Looks pretty clear. Hmm... Let's just check my backpack a second. I'm going to use one of my specimen jars, and I'm going to just hold a bit in the water, and then take it out and see if I've got anything. You crouch down by the dream side, and you get yourself comfortable, and you look down in your bag, and you're taking out stuff, get your specimen jar, you're like, ah, there it is. And you reach down with the specimen jar into the water, and you're just letting it flow in. When you catch some movement out of the side of your eye, which further down the stream, you notice what looks like a wolf, and it crouched down and it's just lapping gently from the stream. And that's not too unusual, given that you're in the woods. But the fur on this wolf is very coarse. It's very thick and it's varying shades of black and grey and there's even touches of silver in it. And the more you pay attention to this wolf, the more you notice details. As its long tongue is lapping at the stream, it seems exceptionally large. And as it opens its mouth to pull its tongue back in, you notice that the size of its canines are very big. And as you pay more attention to the size of the skull of this creature, you think, that's that's really large for a wolf. At some point, it sits back and it sits up and stretches. And you realize it's not just the skull. That whole wolf is really large for a wolf. Really large for a wolf, you recognize that down the stream is a dire wolf. Hmm. It doesn't appear to be paying any attention to you right now. It is just minding its own business and taking a drink, but it is fucking massive. And the signs that you noticed of the silver in its hair, you get the impression that those are distinct signs of age. And for a creature this large to be old probably means that it is a survivor. Hmm. He's curious. Okay, that's... um. That's disconcerting. You found a direwolf, but you get the impression that even if it has noticed you, which it probably has because you weren't trying to be stealthy, the only reason that it's not doing anything is it knows you're not a threat because it owns this forest. This forest is its home and it has been here far longer than you and it will continue to be here when you are gone. Old, old direwolf. Hmm. I'll wait for a bit. I'll just see what it does. I'll just observe it for a while. How long do you think you spend observing it? Honestly, this is Urbach. He will forget and lose track of time. That's fair. For the most part, for probably the next, say, half hour, it spends time intermittently either drinking from this stream or sitting back and scratching itself, resting a spot of the dying light of the day because obviously you were setting up camp. And as the sun sets below the trees and it no longer becomes plausible for it to sunbathe, just gets up, leaves. Go to the spot where it stood and see if it's left anything there. You walk over, you cross the stream carefully, and the size of these prints alone give you an idea of how large this creature really was. Its paw prints are almost larger than your hands outstretched. This thing was huge. And I don't think, even from as close as you were, I don't think you really have a full realization of how large this thing truly was. You don't find anything that you could take with you, unfortunately. It does leave a distinct trail through the woodcops, but it is also getting dark at this point. I'm pretty self-absorbed in this. I'm going to put the hat on and wait for an hour, because I'm an idiot. As the sun continues to set, it starts to get dimmer and dimmer, until it 
gets really dark in the woods, and then all of a sudden, it's actually quite light. Everything's in grayscale, but it's fairly possible. You can't see too far, but... Well, I'm going to be very, very careful. I'm going to try and follow the trail, but I'm also going to try and be careful and keep wits about me. The track is still there, and it's still pretty apparent. You follow it as long as you can while the paw prints are visible, but those start to disappear. However, with the size of this creature, it is pretty easy to follow. You make your way through the forest until you find what appears to be a den. A small mound that is dug out, and had you not been following this wolf, as a traveller you might have thought, oh, a convenient place to rest for the night, because the hole that is dug out from this mound is easily large enough for a person to enter. And that is clearly where the tracks lead to. Hmm... Okay, are the trees near this? Maybe I'm still in a heavily wooded area? Probably still hidden in the tree line, and then it leads to a 20-30 foot across clearing in which this mound exists, and the hole is dug out of the mound and into the ground. Hmm. Are they quite chunky trees? Are they thick enough and tall enough to support my weight? So you could probably find one to climb. No, I kind of found one that's high enough to climb that would be high up enough from, say, direwolf height. Depends on how high you climb. Well, let's go find out. Let's find one. Let's have a look around and find one that looks easy, that gives me a good view of the den, and isn't going to leave me, you know, get my feet bitten off. You find one easily enough. How far up do you want to climb? This tree that you found appears to reach up to the top of the boughs. If you were way up in them, you might not be able to get a clear view, but... High enough that will still keep me being able to see the entrance to the den. Because my night vision is only 30 feet. That's true. Alright, let's go with 28 feet, and try and get into a position where I have a hand free. You manage it, you scramble up the tree. As you do so, you grab various handholds, and as you're pulling your way up, the branches are making loud cracking noises. They're supporting your weight, but this is not a quiet process. You manage to get up 25, 28 feet, there thereabouts, high enough that you feel safe. And by the time you get to this point, you turn around, you get yourself comfortable and looking directly at you from the entrance to the den is a direwolf. Not the direwolf that you saw before. That's interesting. This one is slightly smaller and generally lighter all over. It's mostly grey tones and the silvers are more whites. It looks very, very similar, but much smaller. Okie doke. I'm going to wait this thing out until it moves or first, because it's obviously just stood there watching me. It is just stood there watching you, yes. <laughs> and it doesn't give you any indication that it's going anywhere. Hmm. Uh, this is complicated. I was hoping there was only one. No, sorry. This isn't going to work out at all. I'm going to use the spell Misty Step, and I'm just going to teleport down behind the tree and bugger off, because I'm clearly not getting anywhere with this. You do that. You appear behind the tree, and you hear a sudden wolfy... <laughs> And then you remember that wolves have noses, and it's kind of something they're good at. How far away does Misty Step get you? 30 feet. I just use it to puff out the tree. Do you just start running? Yes, but carefully. I'm also going to prep lob a spell at anything that suddenly gets way too close. That absolutely happens very quickly, because it's a dire wolf, and you only got out of the tree. Going off the impression that this would freak it the fuck out in the middle of the night, I'm going to chuck a basic cantrip of Firebolt in its face. Oh god. Pray for our buck, guys. Hey, I'm the cynical one! The firebolt you shot actually connects with your target as you're running, and you hear a yelp. Moments later, a chorus of howls. Oh, are we too far away to hear all the howling? You probably hear the howls, but it sounds like it's pretty goddamn far away. Me and Toby and Myrna are sitting by a fire when we're here. Yeah, you're just chilling out by the campfire, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Jeez! Can you hear- aren't you glad we're not in the forest right now? Damn, I'm glad that's far away. Wouldn't want to be surrounded by wolves, eh? But imagine how soft they are. Uh, Mix, I don't- I mean, I wouldn't pet them, but just they'd be so nice I'm thinking about the rats. (laughs) Where does the howling come from? All around? Directly behind you. Okay. You can still hear the wolf that you shot in the face panicking but there is a much louder howl immediately from that same direction, and there are a couple more spread out from different directions. The one immediately behind you howled, and then the others chorused in from a distance. Do I got a rough idea of how far away the stream was? 20 minutes, maybe? You were tracking this thing for a while. 
Well, 20 minutes at a steady, slow pace, so probably not that far at a run. Hmm, that's not too bad then. I'm going to keep running best as I can, and if anything starts to get close, I'm going to use Misty Step and poof myself ahead. Another whopping 33. You are running through the trees. You're using your survival instincts to zig and zag and dash around and doing everything that you can to confuse your trail. It takes a couple of minutes, but it doesn't take that long before the sound of crashing through woods as a large creature is definitely gaining on you. How far am I looking from the stream now? I'd say you've been running for about three minutes. You're probably at least another two minutes away. I'm not going to just keep running till I get to that stream. I'm going to start flinging cantrips behind me, just firebolts at the ground. Not only everything's kind of wet, but if I hit anything that's dry, it might ignite a little bit. And obviously, slightly wet stuff is going to give off a lot of smoke if it gets hit, and that'll annoy any kind of scent. I buy that. As you're running, you fire a couple of different fireballs, chucking them behind you, not really paying too much attention to where they're going. And as you're running, you begin to hear the crackle, and it seems like you got lucky, and one of your fireballs caught something that, despite the soggy nature of the area, actually did manage to catch. It sounds like it's spreading pretty quickly. But you can still hear the creature chasing down behind you, crashing through the woods. It's not necessarily afraid of the fire, but it is put off briefly, and you gather you've bought yourself a little more time. Another couple of minutes of pure outright running definitely gets you to the stream side. Right, this thing is three feet wide, one feet deep, isn't it? If I take my rucksack off, can I get into the river and completely fit myself into the water? Oh, I just want to be able to crawl on it and be submerged. You plunge headfirst into the river. What do you do with your backpack? I am going to have to drag it with my tail. It's going to be awkward. So you take off your backpack, you dive into the water, and begin dragging yourself along the bed of the stream. So you drag yourself upstream or downstream? I'm going to go downstream, poke my nose out to get a bit of fresh air every 15 minutes. You manage to drag yourself the full length of this stream. You come up a couple of times, and eventually you find yourself in a small basin, which the stream actually leads to. You can see that it's fed from multiple sources. It does not look like you have been pursued at this point. However, you have no idea where you are in relation to your party. <laughs> but there does not appear to be any sign of the direwolf. That's the important thing. All right, then. Well, uh, I hop out. I'm probably a bit hungry at this point, so I'm going to eat a ration. Is there anything that looks like it's wide enough up in the tree itself? Like a clamp on sleep in it? Are you find one that looks like it's probably doable. Alright then, I'm not even going to bother climbing because that's just a terrible idea. I'm going to poof up there with another misty step, wrap myself up in my riding cloak, pat myself up, and I'm just going to take a kip. Mix, Murren. Mix has noticed Murren's carving and watching it progress and maybe getting some tips from him as to how she can carve into wood. If Mix wants to learn, I'd be happy to attempt to show her. Mix thinks that learning to carve wood would be much easier than riding a horse. You manage to find a small branch, two and a half inches thick in diameter. It's pretty small, but seems sturdy. Maybe you could whittle it or something. So you go back and you head over to Marin. Uh, is this one any good? It's the best I could find. All the other ones look too soggy. Yes, it looks pretty sturdy. Okay, so where should I start? Well, what do you want to make? Well... As much as I'd love to make a dragon, like you can, I realize it's probably a little too ambitious for now. So, um... How about a dart? Ooh, yes. You are watching what Marin's doing, and you're carving away your little tree branch. What does Mix's dart look like when she's done? If someone had taken a wooden pencil and snapped it in half. Mix finishes up her dart and shows you... It's a good start. Yeah, I have a good teacher, so it has to be a good start. How did you learn to carve? Um, well, we were taught this back at the monastery. Well, monks learn to carve? Um, I wouldn't say all of us. Is there some kind of significance to the carving? Is it a ritual, or...? No, I wouldn't say so. For practicality, you know. We make simple things, tables, chairs, darts. Okay, I get that much. I've seen you make darts before, but what's what's with the dragon you've been working on? It looks like some pretty fine wood, but <sighs> any reason you've chosen to, to make one? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Well, after the little interaction with your little friend, I, I suppose it inspired me a little bit. I don't know if you can tell right now, it's only about halfway done, but it's, uh, it's supposed to be a dragon. 
I don't know. What do you think? Darkonius rushes down, makes his shoulder over her arm, and rushes over. I'm a little startled. Looks at the statuette in your hand, looks up at you and goes, Darkonius! You know what, Darkonius? Yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like a dragon. I wasn't sure which dragon you were carving, but like side by side, I, I, yeah. Mix feels a little wave of pride that Myrne chose to draw her dragon out of all the dragons. I mean, right now it doesn't look like anything, but it'll look better once it's finished. I think it looks fine the way it is, but I can't wait to see what it looks like finished. Can I carefully just reach out, poke its little tummy? It looks at you and rolls over on her hand. So, Mix. Yes? You have wings? Oh, uh, well, kind of. I mean, I guess I have them, but I can't always use them. They're not really good wings yet. Are they of a magical nature, or is this, like, just part of you? Well, I guess you could say it. I guess, um, it's it's just a trait I have. I mean, most Asimars get wings at some point, but some of them have really big wings. Mine are still just really small. They're certainly impressive. Oh, thank you. If you want, I'll, I'll, I'll take them out and you can get a proper look oh, at them. no, it's, it's fine. It's fine, oh, no, but no, thank no, you. no, 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 Allow me. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Uh, just, just sprouting the Using my one-a-day uh, deal and just sprouting my wings. See, I can float. Just hovering off the ground a little bit. <sighs> well, yep. They're definitely wings. Yeah, Mick sprouts these... Big blue glowing wings made of energy. They're not physical somehow, but they're clearly capable of supporting her weight despite that. They're probably handy in getting you out of a tight spot. Or getting you out of a tight spot. Or Toby. Toby gets into trouble a lot. I don't know if you've noticed. Or getting herself into a tight spot. Fly over really quickly and mess up Toby's hair and then fly out of reach. (laughs) What's left of it? (laughs) You know what's left of it. Let's go back to Urbach. It is the next morning. You made it through the night in the tree. Yay, not dead. You pop down, you snap your fingers, you arrive at the bottom of the tree. Um, so I'll follow that river a little bit upstream, keeping an eye out for any more wolf-related shenanigans, or anything that could eat me, because it could be like bears or something here. Absolutely, yeah. God only knows. See if I can get to the spot where I can recognise where I was the other day. You follow the stream, but no matter how far you walk or for how long, you just cannot remember where you are. Nothing seems familiar. You're just wandering up and down, but... There doesn't seem to be any signs of anything that stands out. You don't even see signs of the direwolf. The rest of the party all wake up the next day and Urbeck has not returned. Um, guys, we're uh, still missing our uh, lizard friend. We are not waiting long. Where is he? Ixal, the lizard folk woman, is frowning. Maybe he got hungry and got up for breakfast early. I don't think he came back, Mix. I've been up for hours. He is not back. He's not usually gone this long, is he? No, not this long, I don't think. Mm. I turn to Oz and I'm like, mm. Oz, need no favour. Mm-hmm. I've only just woken up. I-, I know, buddy, but can you, uh... Breakfast! Take a ration out of my back and just hold it out for him to take. Birds can't sneer, but he sneers. Ugh. It's this or nothing. Just keep it. Right, well, I need you to have a look around, see if you can find Earbuck. Alright, where am I going? Did any of us actually see him leave? I doubt it. He just disappeared. Uh, if you just, I don't know, go out. Circle around for a couple of miles, maybe. Maybe towards the forest. Gee, that seems real specific. Couple of miles is a long time. That's a lot of energy. I don't know where he's gone. Well, neither do I. That's why I'm asking you to look for him. Why don't you look? for him and he gets off and he flies away (laughs) to do your bidding because he is your familiar he just doesn't have to be happy about it Oz has gone a while what about the rest of you I am going to ask Darconius if it would be okay if I borrowed his body for a little bit uh Marin could could you do me a favor yes and uh I I just needed to watch my body I'm gonna try and find Urbach through uh Darconius oh you're going to do that the thing yeah the thing the weird thing right I, I I suppose I could. Thank you. I take a look at Darkonius and okay. Darkonius waves. Do you sit down for a minute? You transport your psych into Darkonius. Where are we going? We're trying to find my lizard man friend. Okay, this shouldn't be too hard. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully he's nearby and nothing's happened. It's a very odd sensation tasting Urbach, but 
as you inhabit the body of Darconius, he guides you through the process of tasting the air, and he's looking around, and you're seeing the world through his eyes, and suddenly, green. Tastes green? green. I think, I think Urbeck tastes like green. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's him. Mm-hmm. We, sh- we should, we should follow that. Okay, let's, let, let's try. Yeah. And you go zooming off through the woods. I assume you fly to pursue this. Yes. You get up from the air and Murren, you watch as Nyx mm-hmm. slumps against a tree. Darconius looks around furtively and leaps off the ground and flies away. Doesn't take you that long, flying at your full speed, 15 minutes or so, to get to the side of the stream bed. You come to the area that Urbach clearly arrived at the stream, and Darconius looks around, he's like, He was definitely here. This descent doesn't lead anywhere, but I think he's down that way. And he takes over again, you go soaring down the stream, and it's not long before you find Urbach wandering around and scratching his chin and looking very perplexed. You're here! And obviously, Darconius arrives, Urbach, and is speaking with Mix's voice. Ah, Darconius, Mix. I don't know what to call you when you're in this form. Mixconius! Mix, um, yes. Sorry about the delay, I went for a stroll and, uh, did you know there are direwolves in this forest? No! Well, there definitely are. I was wondering, we heard some howling, and I- wow! Yeah, I have to admit, this is rather embarrassing. Do you happen to know the way, um, back? It's, uh, something I lost track of when I had to hide in a tree for a night. You- in- for a- you were in a tree? Direwolves can't climb trees. Nice to hold pack of them, anyway. That's that's a fair argument. Um, but yeah, no, we we can take you back. I mean, I can't fly you there because you're a little big. But if you follow us, we can lead you back. Ah, certainly so. It's a little tricky to keep up with Darkonius because he's pretty quick. But you do it well enough. Make it back to the camp. It takes you the best part of an hour and a half. Urbach and Mix within Darkonius returns. Oz returns also, looking extremely grumpy, and <laughs> he sees Darkonius leading Urbach back to the camp. And he just looks at you, Toby, lands on one of your horns. I do nothing to stop him. Makes no attempt to communicate. Right, now that you're all here, let's go. Yes, uh, sorry about all that. We probably should go. There are direwolves out in that forest. Magnificent specimens. Yes. Absolutely enormous. Get on the cart. Hey, I see you reaching for the skip button. But listen, there are a ton of fantastic shows out there. Here's one you could be missing out on right now. Hi, I'm Jeff Stormer, and I host Party of One, an actual play podcast focused on two-player role-playing experiences. Every week, I sit down with my friends, we play a two-player game, we share a few laughs, maybe a few tears, and a really good time. We aim to explore a variety of games, playstyles, and emotional experiences that are often overlooked in the tabletop hobby. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Check us out at partyofonepodcast.com. See now, was that so bad? And now... On with the show. Back on the road. You are all riding the cart. And as your day starts out, you think initially that Ixal has woken you at dawn. But as you're riding in the back of the wagon, you see that the sun begins to rise. And it occurs to you that despite this, it was really bright out when you woke up. An hour or so passes you begin to approach the outskirts of Elturel. Elturel is now within viewing distance, and its most striking feature is that directly above this rather ordinary-looking city, there is a huge, brilliant light that is floating in the air, and the light from whatever this is extends well beyond the reach of the city, and you gather that Ixal just got you up when she wanted to, and the light that you saw was actually the radiating light from this light source. Ixal is driving the cart towards a high-rising hill that falls away in a rocky cliff where the Hionfa River flows. Here, at its peak, lies the city of Elturel. Ixal looks over her shoulder. Once, millennia ago, this was a farming village, founded by people seeking refuge from the curse of the undead which roamed the lands. That is, until the settlement was blessed by Amaunator. The people, set upon from all sides, prayed in desperation to anyone who would listen. It was Amaunator who took pity upon them. It is their light and gift 
which you see, and all undead are pained to look upon it. People came from all across the lands to seek shelter beneath its radiance, and it is now the largest city, and indeed, the capital of Eltergard, ruled personally by the High Observer of Tom. I'd like to do an insight check on Ixal. Urbach is surprised by this sudden burst of knowledge. She seems like she's been quite upfront. She's bringing you to Elturel. She knows that your journey is coming to an end very soon. She's soon going to be rid of... I mean, uh, <laughs> moving on. She thought you might like to know a little bit about the place you're going to. What with the six fine horses that you have furnished her with, and some meagre riding skills you have learned. I accept this. Is it a bright like that all the time? Like, even at night? Yes. How do people sleep? You get used to it after a while. It stops being a nuisance before long. I'm curious. Is it the kind of light that would sustain a plant? That they would nourish them? You know, I don't know if they've ever tested that. Well, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't believe it works the same as sunlight. It's, it's holy. That's why the undead are hurt by it. Makes sense. Fascinating. I mean, maybe plants can grow from... Holy light, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's not something I've ever heard of. Is there anything else uh, pertinent about the city that we should know? She shrugs. Not especially. It depends what sort of thing you're looking for. There's a few taverns and inns in town. There's the Wizard's Harlot. There's a place called A Pair of Black Antlers. The Bent Helm. There's Galogar's Inn is quite, uh, well... If you've not got the coin to stay somewhere else, Galagar's Inn will suit. Fontier's Unicorn. That one's very well known. It's a little on the expensive side, though. I'm not sure how far your budget stretches, but it may suit. There's also the Ore and Wagon Wheel Inn. Blazing Books. Other than that, you probably want to stay on the right side of the law there. It's run by the Paladins of Torm, and they can be very fervent. In their pursuit of justice. Well, you know, justice is in our name. Yes, you may not want to be seen associating with me and my ilk. Perhaps we should leave you on the border. You say paladins guard this city? Yes, the paladins of Torm. Well, it is understandable we want to avoid that kind of attention, I suppose. Do you happen to know... In my line of work, we try to avoid as much attention as possible, yes. I'm curious. Do you know of any word or anything to do with the name Froom? Quite... Frankly, I'm not particularly well-versed in El Terrell. It's not my usual place of business. The Tormites <laughs> tend to interfere with the kind of work that I do. So they leave us alone, we leave them alone, and I stay well clear of El Terrell. But I'm sure if you ask a local, they may be able to assist you. If it's a place that you usually stay well clear of, then you probably are best just letting us make our way from the border. I'm sure we can at least manage to find our way into a city without getting lost. I appreciate the discretion. Yes, I'm uh, familiar with the taverns and the inns and so forth, as I mentioned, but those were from my younger years. Some of those places may not even be standing anymore. Well, we greatly appreciate your help so far. Uh, this light. Yes, well, uh, there is only one entrance to the city from land, and it's just over there. And you notice as she's been driving you up the hill that you are getting close to the walls of the city, and the walls of the city are extremely large. They are thick, sturdily built stone walls that range several dozen feet high, and she is leading you towards a large intersecting gate in the walls. And the gate itself does actually appear to be open. Is it guarded at all? Yeah, there are guards. Not that I plan on starting trouble or anything. There's a guard either side, standing watch. You do see that one of them notices the cart and acknowledges you from a distance. Makes it known that you're being watched, but not in necessarily a hostile way. Yeah, we see you. You came up the hill towards where we are. This is a very defensible city. Hi there. <laughs> but you're still a few hundred feet away. She stops the cart and the train of horses. Well, uh, this is where we part. Thanks for uh, getting us this far. Sorry about the lion. She shrugs. Thank you for the horses and not allowing the lion to maim them. That was appreciated. It would have soured our deal somewhat. Indeed. And thank you, Zan and Corver, as well. They just smile, turn, give you a little mini salute. I mirror their salute. I get down from the wagon. Yes, well, um, Ixal, I appreciate your assistance in getting us to El Torel, and I 
Look forward to meeting you again and perhaps traveling with you in future. Doomsinger steps down from the cut, collects his belongings, shoulders his bag. Well, shall we? We should get moving. I start walking towards the gate. Well, I've never been to this city before. Scrawls enthusiastically, strolling towards the guardsman at the city. He waves, Hail, friends! No, oh, why does he have to be so loud about it? I'm going to poodle off alongside Score, heading on up to the city, looking quite jovial. Probably because I'm quite interested in that giant light. So yeah, I'm just heading towards the gate. Yeah, Mix jumps mm-hmm. out of the cart as well and follows along with you guys. As you head up towards the gate, the guards salute. And the way they salute here, because they are paladins of Torm, they put their fist up on their chest, a quick brief tap, and then they lower their arms. Stay business! There's two Triton guards. They're wearing heavy plate mail. We're here to meet a friend. Travelers? Welcome to the city of Alturel. Please do not cause trouble. May you travel in Tom's light, and they wave their hands over you in a conciliatory gesture and then go back to relaxing at their posts. Uh, thanks. They just walk on through. They just nod. Do I see any kind of crests on their armor? They do have the crest of Tom. It is a white gauntlet, and that is emblazoned on the chest of their plate mail. Once you've said your piece, they don't pay too much attention to you after that, actually. As you guys are walking through, they notice a couple of you carrying weapons. Uh, please keep those holstered or strapped in place whilst within the city walls. Once you have residence, please do what you can to keep your weapons there. We understand the need for personal security, but large weapons of war are best left in your place of residence until you are ready to leave the city. Thank you. We'll keep that in mind. Of course. You walk past the guards, through the gates, and enter the city proper. You find yourself on a cobbled market street. It's various buildings. It's a fairly plain-looking city, but there's a giant glowing orb of light in the sky, so that's neat. And that is really the most distinguishing feature. There isn't, Without the giant light over the city, there isn't a lot that would stand out. This city looks like there's no consistency in the architecture. You get the sense that the buildings you're looking at at the moment that are on the edges of the city are probably the ones that have been built most recently. This isn't a city that's necessarily expanding, though, and there are signs of wear and tear. Okay, I'm going to turn to the rest of the party. Well, it's early morning, but I think it may be best for us to try and secure lodgings just for the time being. Yes, having a place to stay would, and to use as base of operations would be a good idea. It's early morning. I seem to be losing track of time. Despite the fact that it is early, the marketplace appears to be bustling already. And what you gather based on the fact that you've just come into the city after you follow down a few of the roads, is this market appears to travel well through a good chunk of the city. You gather quite quickly you're only really touching the edges of it. Hmm. We probably need to find someone who knows what on earth, well, a room is, I suppose. Shall we go find a tavern? Ask around? Well, we were given a list of uh, quite a few. But first we'll probably need to ask around to find a tavern. I'm going to suggest the Oran Wagon Wheel Inn sounds like a most relatively innocuous place. I definitely do not like the sound of Galagar's in. Greed. From the tone with Ixal, you basically got the impression that Galagar's in is a shithole <laughs> that you will stay in when you need a place to sleep and you have no other choice. It's like the 0.5 star rated hostel in the bad part of London. Yeah, we could stay there. It'll cost us a fiver for the night. But the problem is, is other people who want to pay a fiver for a room also stay there? No security, no safety. There's no nothing. Shared bathroom. Yeah, communal bathroom. <laughs> it's not clean. There's one toilet. There are 40 beds. Well, why don't we stop someone and ask them where it is and if it's a decent place to sleep and eat. It's a good idea. Are there any guards around the streets to ask? This early on in the day... It looks like the guards aren't really used to seeing any kind of trouble. There's probably one or two, but most of them are either occupied with specific duties, like guarding the markets as they set up, or are resolving disputes. You know, oh, this guy backed his cart into mine, and this is my spot. I'm here every week. He's here on first day and third day. I take second day and fourth. It's third day. It's mine. He said, no, sir, it's fourth day. It's 
Fourth day, seventh. That means it's his date. Oh, you got... I've got to bloody kill my wife. She's told me the wrong date so many times this week. You see the look of this, uh, this dwarf. He's quite clearly trying to lie his way out of the situation. He was hoping you'd pull a fast one, but... Maybe stopping a random pedestrian would be a good vest. At this time of morning, you wouldn't have shoppers, but there's probably some stalls set up. Is there any stalls that look fairly reputable? What sort of thing would catch Urbach's interest? going to look for what he considers reputable which probably isn't that great he's not really got the best idea about it but he's going to look for something say a pastry stall or something like that that doesn't look like the food was made out of things that they caught in the sewer you folks are walking down the market streets dodging around various carts trying not to step in anything left behind by the horses that are used to pull in the day's loads and you find yourself coming upon a relatively small looking cart it's staffed by a busy-looking halfling who looks like they're just about finished, and the pastries on this particular cart look nothing short of divine. The croissants are buttery and flaky and gold-looking. You see a couple of meat-based pastries that the smell coming from them just immediately hits you, and it smells of rich cuts of pork and beef. I imagine this gentleman will probably know the best place. We should buy something from him first. That might make him more inclined to give us a good answer. I'm not going to disagree with that. It smells really good. As you're muttering to one another, he turns away from his stall, looks up and... You see him do the final steps of his preparation, looks up and realises there are people paying attention to his wares and goes, Three for three for a silver! Uh, morning! Morning, folks! Morning! Good day. Looking for some breakfast, are we? I wouldn't say no. Well, got an offer on, on the pastries. Uh, it's three for one silver. Um, the meat pies are fresh out of the oven this morning. And they come out of silver each, actually. Hmm. Uh, tell you what. I'll uh, take one of those meat pies and three of your pastries, please. Oh, thank you very much, sir. You've got an appetite, I see. And he reaches into his cart and sorts out the equivalent of his change box. Pulls out some paper bag and says, uh, would, would you like these wrapped or... Uh, yes, please. I also hand over a, a silver for a meat pie. Oh, so, uh, which pastries would you like? And there's croissants, there's little phyllo pastry buns, there's iced buns, you've got cinnamon buns, you've got little cakelets. Toby probably isn't used to eating like this in general, so... I'll take... Two croissants and an iced bun, please. Right, you are, sir. And he just tosses them into a bag, spins it, and wraps it up, seals it shut. With an almost magical level of finesse, hands you over the bag and says, now let me get those meat pies. He gets out these small containers made out of vegetation, almost, that seem to be perfectly shaped for holding a meat pie. He takes one out and he hands you both one each. That'll be three silver between the two of you, I think. Yep, yeah, three silver. Can I get anything for the rest of you? And Scrawl's like, everything! And I immediately face palm. I'll pay my one silver for the buy. Scrawl takes out a gold. As long as they're talking, I plan on eating. Here. <laughs> he just gives him the gold. The baker looks at him. Um, I mean, sure. Okay. And Scrawl starts tucking in. He helps himself to a meat pie. He looks at you as though, yeah, well, I figured we were going to be here a while, so... I mean, at this point, I'm not really surprised he did try to order a whole four. Aback immediately down the pie because he is starving. Tear a bit off and hold it out for Oz. He greedily gobbles it. Mmm, wow. This is, it's not quite eyeballs, but it's pretty goddamn good. Why must you compare everything to eyeballs? Because they're a delicacy, obviously. Oh, Christ. Now that we've got our uh, breakfast out of the way, we just, we were wondering, um, we're new in town, you see. If you knew where the ore and wagon wheel is, and if it's, you know, at least a semi-decent place to stay. Ah, uh, the ore and wagon wheel, you say? Um, yeah, the ore and wagon wheels, uh, it's quite a nice place. It's very popular. Expensive? Ah, uh, it's middle of the road, I'd say. It's okay. It's... Prices are reasonable for what it is. It's very, as, as I say, it's very popular, so you might be hard-pressed to get a room there, but it's a nice place to stay if you can. Toby turns to the others. So, what do you think? Well, if there are beds, I'm good with that. All right to me. Well, 
As you're new in town, is there anywhere else that I can tell you about? Direct you to? More than happy to help. And he finishes putting the money he's received away. And you get the impression that he's a little bit concerned that Scraw gave him a gold. And if he doesn't keep you talking, Scraw might feel shortchanged. <laughs> Would you happen to know the location in a useful apothecary's in town? There's quite a few in town. Uh, what sort of thing are you looking for? Also, I'm a doctor by trade, so I'm fain to keep the old stock up. Right, right. Medicate, potion materials, anything, really. I'm a bit of a connoisseur. Well, there is Benson's Phylactery, right in the middle of town, in the main square. There's also Thompson's. They're quite good, or so I'm told. There's also Charlie's Horse and Wares, and I think it's Mag's Herbs and Spices. Hmm. I'm sure there are others. Those are the only ones I know off the top of my head. No, that's more than enough. I think that's all. What about a place called Froom? He laughs. Froom, Froom's a lot of place, dear. He's he's a uh, he's a man. Right. Where could we find the man then? Well, uh, if you're looking for Froom and his boys, uh, you'll be wanting to head to a pair of black antlers. It's uh, well, it's the best tavern in the city. Bang smack in the middle of town in the main square. Cannot miss it. It's absolutely huge, and it's it's well loved. Trust me. Expensive. It's not especially. It is the best tavern in the city, though, so he shrugs. It's not expensive for what it is. Um, my good friend, do you know this Froom? Everybody knows Froom. Not not personally, of course. He looks at his skull. You know, I'm a, just a baker. No, he's, he's one of the paladins. He's, uh, you've, you've probably saw some of his boys out front. Can you tell us what he looks like at all? Aside from, I'm assuming, paladin armor. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Well, he's a bugbear. Uh, he's about oh, eight foot tall. He's very broad. He's a big, big stone of a man. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's always wearing his armor. He's, he wears one white gauntlet on his right hand. And he also has a, a different gauntlet on his chest than the others, but got, uh, brown and black fur around his face. He's, he's got black fur around his mouth in a way that sort of makes like a beard shape. But, I didn't think bugbears had beards, but, you know, I, I, I don't like to question these things. Yes, uh, Unthar Froom is, is who you're looking for. Is his full name. I've never met him personally, but um, I've seen him around. You know, he's, he's got a very bold presence. Thanks very much for the information. Sure. Scraw is merrily burying his fifth pie. Well, uh, is, is that everything you need, or...? The city of El has got all sorts of wonders. While you're in the main square, you probably want to check out the, uh, the main armory there. They've got some incredible weapons. If that is your sort of thing, and he looks between those of you who are carrying weapons openly, he says, you can get something to replace those old dusty things. Be sure to check it out. Um, well, thank you for your time. Thank you for, the, for your patronage. And I pass an extra gold over. Oh! He takes the gold. That's that's very kind of you. And he turns and takes the first pastry he can get a hand on that Scraw doesn't seem to have touched. Here, sir. Make sure you you get something to eat, too. (laughs) Thank you. I pass it over to Doomsinger. (laughs) Uh, pastry. The baker looks affronted. Oh. (laughs) He just gave you a gift and you gave it away right in front of him. (laughs) I figured Doom might be hungry. Even Toby's not that bad at socialising. I turn around, I, I just look at him, oh, that I've already eaten, but thank you. Very well, sir. Um, well, you you have a nice day then. You too. And he steps behind his cart and tries to look prepared for the next customer. And he looks at Scraw, enjoying the food. At least somebody appreciates art. <laughs> I just got turned to my you know, I, I don't want to be someone to teach other people about their manners, but you probably should have waited until you were further away to do that. Um... Sure. That was a little bit rude. Anyway, we should go and find those apothecaries. Um, shouldn't we find somewhere to stay first? Well, but I suppose. I mean, I guess you've got your own priorities, but at the end of the day, we're still going to need a place to sleep. And if, I don't know, do you guys want to try the oar and wagon wheel, or do you want to try a pair of black antlers? Hmm. Um, it could be worth investigating the black antlers first, but then retreating to the oar and wagon just to sleep. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is that not where Froom is? Is that what the shopkeeper said? We could certainly take a look. Maybe too early for the shops to be open anyway. I don't know, the market's already... Just because the market's open. The market's already busy, so the shops are probably setting up too. You folks follow the market roads, because generally speaking, as strangers in the town, nothing's particularly well signposted, but every now and again you get to the end of a path 
and a crossroads, and there will be a center pole which directs you. Market Square, Town Hall, Inns. The main things of importance are written on big signposts pointed around town. You follow the pass and you come out into an extremely large town center. I say extremely large. Imagine the size of the keep that you stayed in in Greenest. It's two of those. It's an extremely large spaced out center. In the absolute pinpoint middle is a spacious garden space in a circular fashion. And it's mostly greenery, but in the very, very middle, there is a large fountain. And in the fountain is a statue of what appears to be a very plain looking elf. And they are standing with their arms outstretched above them with their hands spread wide. And if you follow the line of sight up from that fountain, you see the orb that is Amanatar's gift. And that's all we have time for this week. Join us on Sunday next week for our next episode, The Party Paladin. Thanks once more to everyone who has supported our show. Simon, our composer and musician. Nina, Lauren and Anna, artists who are working on art for our show. Lane and Fry, our professional transcribers, our patrons on Patreon. And of course, you all, our listeners. If you'd like to support us in continuing to produce more great content, please head over to our Patreon on patreon.com forward slash darkdragonsin for a variety of rewards, including the warm fuzzy feeling of helping us do what we love. Until next time, travel safe. And remember, in this realm or the next, the scales of justice are here for you. Always. Always.